0: And welcome to Midday Moms, it's Dorothy Polarski, and I'd like to extend a big warm welcome to all of you uh, signing on. And as you're signing on, I'm going to ask you, if you could, to say hello to Jennifer and I in the chat, because when you say hello to us in the chat, We kind of know that you're there. (laughs) One of the uh, joys of uh, or challenges of hosting these sessions is that, you know, we don't really know if anyone's there. Whereas if you say hello to us, in the chat, then we can say, oh, hi, Bernice from Bermuda or <laughs> or Alana from Alaska or, you know, Maria from Mississauga. Please say hello to us in the chat. Um, it means a lot to us when you say hello to us in the chat. So, you know, don't be shy. We don't bite. <laughs> um, so a, a big warm welcome. To you, and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I also wanted to just extend a big warm welcome to Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, can you say hello to everybody and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes. Hi, everyone. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Um, Dorothy reached out to me and she said, you keep coming up in adoration and I need you to come on. And I'm like, oh, OK, let's do this. <laughs> so here we are. We're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about suffering. We're going to talk about some really real stuff today. And um, we just hope that we're able to encourage you and help you find joy in the midst of whatever path you find yourself on.
0: Yeah cuz i i know that you know it's really hard nowadays especially when you you kind of see the images of what motherhood is supposed to be like on yes. instagram and all you know, these bright shining smiles with the Perfect mug and the 32 kids all dressed really well. <laughs> <laughs> my life never looked like that. Yeah, um, no. so, <laughs> so we like getting kind of real here on midday moms. And uh I don't have every aspect of uh my life organized and I never really have. I'm always kind of doing the juggle. I hope you're one of those juggling moms and uh, a big one welcome hey karen from indiana thank you for joining us elizabeth from stony creek so happy that you're here carmela from maple saint joseph the worker it's always great to have you lisa from mississauga ellen from annunciation so just a big warm welcome to everybody here It means the world to us that you're here. Because I have to tell you, every week when we're planning one of these sessions, it's going to be like, is anyone going to come? Is anyone benefiting (laughs) from any of these sessions? So We're just really pumped that you're here. And um, some of you might be wondering, well, why are you here? And how did you get here? I'd like to tell you a little bit more about myself. My name is Dorothy Polarski. And uh, our ministry, Catholicmomsgroup.com, three words, Catholic Moms Group com uh, we work in partnership with the archdiocese of toronto and we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood and we do that primarily by helping parishes start catholic moms groups we have helped over 50 50 parishes start catholic moms groups and we'd love to help your parish and with every Catholic moms group. We need a mother's group leaders. Uh, the mother's group leaders are uh, volunteers. And we have had so many moms on fire in our ministry and so many women talking about finally, I've met women that, um, you know, are like minded. It's just such a powerful, powerful, uh, powerful tool having a Catholic moms group. You know, I was heavily involved in the corporate sector, delivering seminars internationally, Australia, New Zealand, yeah, you name it, I delivered it never met women like the women I met in my mom's group that supported me through the death of my mom, through the birth of my children. Uh, Having a Catholic mom's group, I always say, is the best kept secret. Uh, So I would like to share with you just a short ministry video so you know a little bit about us and be patient with me as I share the screen because I always mess it up. (laughs) Uh, But uh, who knows? Might be a miracle today. Um, (laughs) oh it is actually a miracle there you go so if you're interested in uh, starting a mom's group visit the website catholicmomsgroup.com and then click click on the link learn more it'll take you to this website so we help parishes start three types of groups uh, one for moms only or moms and tots or virtual groups like uh, similar to this one but a mom's group that is held online, you can actually like see all the moms and we pray together first. So please don't think that this is a mom's group because you're not really getting to know the other moms in your group, but we do have virtual moms groups that actually see all the moms face-to-face. Um, and so we're again, we minister to mothers. We have a strong conviction that when you minister to the mom, you're ministering to the family. Um, We have just dozens and dozens of tools that we wanna share with you. Um, So we encourage you to visit the website, take a look. In the meantime, we're gonna show you this very short uh, video. We love it. We hope that you will love it as much as we do.
1: Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God to know him and love him and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, Many mothers attending mass could not name the moms sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together.
0: Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? A group of moms in love with their Catholic faith ready to serve other mothers, no matter what stage of motherhood they're at, can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mother's group, it's not rocket science. But working with a team who's done it before, and who's done it dozens and dozens of times, sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mother's groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mother's group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mother's group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mother's group at your parish. Join us today. say that our blessed mother uh has an incredible sense of humor because when we produced that video i thought oh gosh dorothy you really are stretching it you know we want to do this across the world well where was our very very first member when we launched the membership site the north pole (laughs) <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, I, I just was so pumped and so excited about that. <laughs> um, so anyway, a, a big, big warm welcome to every single one of you that's joining us today. Uh, we're just so happy. I also wanted to thank Jennifer and let me formally introduce her now. Um, Jennifer is a homeschooling mom to seven amazing children two of which are in heaven. She's been married for 18 years to her husband, Frank, and Jennifer also runs a small business managing social media platforms for small businesses and nonprofits. So if you're looking for a social media manager, (laughs) look no further. You got this girl (laughs) right here. Um, Jennifer and Frank founded a ministry after the death of their daughter, Magdalene Therese, called Joyful Like Maggie. They're working to create a community of hope, focusing on the joy that is available to them in the midst of deep suffering. Now, very recently, I was chatting with one of the moms from my own mom's group, uh, Liz. You know, Liz is here. Well, Liz and I actually met in kindergarten, and then we lost contact with one another and met at our daughter's uh, baseball team. Our daughters ended up being on the same baseball team, and we, anyway, so. Liz said to me, Dorothy, like, where do you find these people, right? And I said, you know what? It's the Holy Spirit. It's yep. the Holy Spirit. Um, my favorite prayer is the Prayer to the Holy Spirit by Cardinal Mercier. And uh, this last three weeks, I could not get Jennifer off my brain. Everywhere I it was Jennifer, 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 Jennifer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And so um, I don't. No, Jennifer at all, um, but I just trust the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit calls, I listen. I don't ignore promptings from the Holy Spirit. And so, Jennifer, thank you for going on this whim of trust and joining us today. Jennifer, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us your story.
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Um, one of the things that my husband and I have talked a lot about is that we truly believe we will see our daughter canonized and in order to be canonized, people have to know about you. So (laughs) we, we love telling Maggie's story, our story, our family story, because, um, Maggie brought and brings a joy into our family that can only come from Christ. And we believe that that joy is extended to each and every person. Um, and so that's really been our mission since our daughter died, um, You know, I'm a homeschooling mom. I've been homeschooling. My oldest will be 18 um, in August and I've been homeschooling since she was in the fifth grade. Uh, We have been a, you know, I guess, normal family. We homeschool, we have fun together. We have our family movie nights. um, We go to mass every Sunday together. We pray every night together as a family. um, And we got sick one week, like a lot of families do. And, you know, when you have a larger family, Uh, You know, the sickness runs through. Sometimes people seems like people get it twice. I mean, it just, it, it, you know, it just, it just runs its course. So that's what happened with us. And um, this was um, the end of April. Uh, this many- was april 2018 2018 and april at the end of april so my um now four-year-old or yeah she's four years old i, I also can't remember my children's ages i have a very bad memory um <laughs> but uh, my, when my i have
0: something in common then because i'm exactly yes
1: right. <laughs> like how old am i i forget <laughs> exactly no clue people always ask me how old are your kids i'm like i have no idea ask them <laughs>
0: It's terrible.
1: I've got to sit there and think and calculate in my brain. Anyway, so my my then youngest was um, was only a year old and uh, maybe almost a year and a half. And she came down with a fever late one night and we all got sick. Well, Maggie, who was 10 years old at the time, Magdalene Therese is her full name. Um, she got sick the same morning that my oldest daughter got sick. And um, the only difference was, is that after about a week, the rest of us were getting over it. And Maggie was not doing well. She couldn't hold food down. She had actually lost weight. And I was just, what is going on? This is the strangest virus. I've never had an issue with a child not getting over a virus. Everyone else is getting better. And um, I asked her that Friday afternoon, it had been almost a week since we'd all been sick, and maybe five days. And I said, hey, Maggie, I said, um, you know, have you been able to use the restroom today? And she thought it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. She said, nope. And I said, you know what? I think we need to take you to the emergency room just to get checked out. You might need fluids to, you know, to help you get back on your feet. And I'm like, she's dehydrated. I know that she is. So I take her to the emergency room. They talk to us. The doctor tells me, oh, don't worry about it, mom. Sometimes when a virus hits the home, we just need a little extra help. They actually did not have to rehydrate her. They just made sure that she was able to hold stuff down and sent her home with a popsicle and said she should be fine in a few days um, and gave us some nausea medication. So that's what we did. But on the way out of that room, the nurse grabbed my arm. And to this day, it must have just been the Holy Spirit who made him say this because he said, Hey, mom, he, and he kind of whispered it. And I thought, well, now that I look back, I'm like, maybe he knew something or, or thought something that maybe the doctor was not thinking, because he grabbed me by the elbow. And he said, Hey, mom, he said, if she's not better in the next few days, he said, Why don't you run her over to Children's in Plano? Uh, And he said that, you know, they've got tests they can run there that we don't run because we're not a children's hospital. And I thought that was the strangest thing for someone to tell me. And I said, okay, no problem. You know, thanks for letting me know. We left. Maggie seemed to be getting better. She was able to hold down food, she was being rehydrated, Um, but she started sleeping longer during the day. She was just not recovering in the way that I thought she should. Um, And just a few days later, Um, she came in the room, she'd been getting these headaches off and on, which the doctors told us were from dehydration. And she said, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. My head is hurting really bad. And there was just something in me just clicked. And I just said, Maggie, grab your shoes, get in the car. We're going to Plano Children's. I don't know what's wrong. And we need to get you checked out. Like there's something not right. So it was very, very rushed. Maggie jumped in the car. My husband tossed her shoes in after her, um, sat him, you know, on the floorboard of the vehicle. And it was a 14 minute drive to the hospital and actually on the way there, she began to actively die. Um, she was not able to see well, she was hyperventilating because she was scared. And thankfully I was able to stay calm. I honestly didn't realize what was happening. I was able to stay calm. I was able to help her to be calm. When we got to the emergency room, I had to put her in a wheelchair and get her inside because she couldn't, she could no longer walk. Um, she had a massive seizure within 10 minutes of us arriving. My husband arrived as quickly as he could. Um, It took them a long time, it seemed anyway to me, as her mother, to get the seizure under control. Um, But her last word was, Mommy. She said, Mommy, she reached for me, and that's when the seizure happened. And um, thankfully, I mean, just, you know, you love to talk about the Holy Spirit, and so do I, because it's in those moments where you really see the Holy Spirit just present and God just present. Um, and that might sound a little crazy to some people, but it makes sense to me because in those moments I was able to stay so calm. I was not, I was panicked, but I was not, she did not see that panic. I was able to hold her hands while she had her seizure. And I just repeated to her over and over again. I said, mommy loves you. Jesus loves you. You're not alone. You're okay. Jesus is with you and I'm with you too. And they told me that she could hear me. Um, so I just kept talking to her, um, she actually died the next day from a massive brain tumor that no one knew about. Um, she died within, it was under 29 hours. It was about 28 and a half hours from the time that we found out to the time that we actually had to let her go. Um, and the tumor had just taken over so much of her brain that she just lost all function is what was happening. Um, So it was obviously it was very sudden. It was very dramatic. It was completely unexpected. She had absolutely no signs of a brain tumor other than those two weeks where she was, you know, we thought she had a virus and was not recovering well from it. Um, And according to the ER doctor, that's what was happening. So anyway, it was, it was obviously horrible. It has been the deepest suffering of our life, but there has also been so much grace and so much goodness that's come through um, Maggie, through Maggie, going to the next world. I mean, that's what I like to call it. I'm a, you know, it's like I have a friend of mine when her grandmother died, she calls it her grandma's glory day. And I'm like, that's so beautiful. That's such an amazing thing to think of. Um, but there's, there's some, there's something about sitting with your child while they die and helping them get to the other side and not being able to go with them. Um, and that is an absolutely profoundly life-changing experience. Um, and so There has been immense suffering in our family, but at the same time, we have been able to recognize that there's a difference between happiness and joy. You know, happiness is when I have a cup of coffee and it makes me happy. I love coffee. Joy is something so completely different because it can still be found even in the midst of really, really deep darkness.
0: So let me just wrap my head around this a a little bit. Um, So like, so your daughter was, 10 years old
1: yes yeah she actually died 13 days before her 11th birthday
0: and uh there was a like a fever or some type of a virus running through yep. the family yeah just a normal virus Mm-hmm. correct and uh and then it, it appears like some kind of you know kind of angel said to you you know if any things don't get better go to the, you know this particular yes. hospital in mm-hmm. on the way to the hospital um, she passed away
1: or yeah be. on the way to the hospital her body was yeah was shutting down and um, she actually she did die the next day. Um, But it was, you know, one of the things that, that I was thinking as I, as I was just rehearsing the story, I never tell the story the same way each time. It's just, I feel like there's just something different that, that God needs for each audience to hear. One of the things, there was a couple of things that happened right before Maggie died that have just been very profound for me. Um, One of the things that she did was she came into my bedroom and this was about four days, but maybe three or four days before she died. And she said, mom, she said, I think I know what it's going to be like when I die. And you know, no mother wants to hear that from their child. We, please don't talk about dying. Like, why are we talking about this? And that's what I told her. I was like, Maggie, why are you talking about this? And she said, uh, cause it's cool. I mean, that's the kind of kid she was. She always wanted to talk about this stuff. Um, and I said, okay, Maggie, I was like, that's fine. Why don't you tell me what it's going to be like when you die? She said, well, she said, when I die, I don't think that I'm going to go to heaven right away. Like, really? Well, where are you going to go? Like, what's going to happen? She said, I think I'll, and she actually got very detailed. She said, I think I'll go above my body and I'll look down at it. She said, but it won't be my body anymore because I won't be in it. And she said, and then my angel will take my hand and will walk the earth and the earth will slowly fade away into heaven. And I just remember looking at her and thinking, wow, that's very, (laughs) that's very uh, particular. Like there's a lot of details there. And I just said, wow, Maggie, that is really, really cool. I said, that's, that's awesome. And then even a couple of days before that, we were all sitting in the kitchen and one of my kids, I'm very open with my children about things. And one of them said, um, you know, what's, you know, how do, when people die, what happens to their body? And I said, well, they get buried or cremated. Some people like to plant themselves in a pot in the ground and grow a tree. Like we were just being very, you know, open about this stuff. And, and Maggie looked at me, she said, what's cremated. And I told her, she goes, Ooh, she said, if I die, I never want to be cremated. And I said, really? I said, why not? She goes, because that is creepy. And I said, (laughs) okay, Maggie, right. (laughs) And Okay. And let me, look, a lot of people are cremated. It's not against our faith. This is just Maggie's own particular understanding of cremation. And I I try to make that clear to people. Um, And I said, okay, Maggie, if you die, ha ha ha, I won't cremate you. And just a few days later, I'm literally sitting in the funeral home and they're asking me if we're going to cremate her or bury her. And I already knew what she wanted. It was the, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just, there's no words for that other than God was preparing her in the, the way, in a way that did not make her afraid. And in a way that did not make me afraid. We were prepared without even realizing it.
0: Um, it's 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 not very often i'm kind of left speechless but you definitely got me on the uh a little bit you know supernaturally uh bewildered side um it it it, it you know i hate to be the person that says and it reminds me when because every situation is so <laughs> different. I, you know but um <clears throat> I had a a, a kind of a a huge fight with my dad before he left for Poland because he went to Poland while my mother had broken her hip and was in the hospital, but they were supposed to go together. And she was saying, go, go, go. And I'm like fighting with my dad. And just before he left, like he sold his car, he visited his best friend, like he did all these things. Well, he he died in Poland on holidays. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like for me, the, the last words I had with my dad were, were not good. And so I had a lot of you know, inner work to do, but, I, I, it, it just what strikes me about your story is like that you know there are all these things that are that were happening beforehand that were kind of like you know setting the stage but you know no one ever expects their 10 year old daughter to 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 die suddenly like that or to pass away or to enter her glory I don't, I'm sorry if I'm not using the right words
1: no you're fine Um, Honestly, here's the thing I use. I use very straightforward words. And it's probably because I have a lot of children, but children are very literal. So a lot of people will say passed away, sleeping, went to heaven. I'm like, she died. Like, that's what happened. And it's okay to use that word. (laughs) And it's okay to use the other words as well. But it's totally fine to say this is what happened. And this is what it is
0: now you know as a, a as a mother who has had you know one of her you know children die so unexpectedly like that in a remarkable way what be what would be your message like i always say if you could stand on top of the world and talk to all mothers <laughs> and you're not going to be obviously standing on top of the world but if there's one message that you could get out to mothers based on your experience what would be some of the things that you would say? Oh, that's such a. I think that's such a powerful question.
1: Honestly, the very, very first thing that immediately pops into my mind is that one of the things that lost moms hear all the time is, "You're so strong. You're so strong. I could never do that. You're so strong." And the truth of it is, is that the strength that I have, the strength that many lost moms have is the same strength that lies with each one of us. It's what you kept saying earlier, Holy Spirit come, you know, before the call started, about Holy Spirit come and that same strength, the strength within me is the Holy Spirit. And he resides within each one of us. Um, we all have access to this strength. It's not just me or not just, you know, someone else who's experienced something terrible and awful that no one else can ever imagine. Um, We all have that same strength within us and we all have the ability to respond in, in a way, you know, that exudes strength and brokenness at the same time. You know, it's kind of an oxymoron, right? Like I'm so broken, but I'm so strong at the same time. Um, and, And it's the same thing with grief. I'm grieving and I'm deeply suffering, but I'm also joyful. It's like, well, how can that be? It's called the Holy Spirit. You know, the truth of it is, is that God was present in that room. I have, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who is an atheist and she said, I wish I could have that kind of faith. And I said, it's available to you. This is not my faith. This is, I said, this is a faith, an ancient faith that has been passed down from the ancient fathers, the ancient men and women of old who died in the arenas and, and passed that faith on to us. They died in terrible ways. They watched their children die. And I told her, I said, I can't show you God in a science book because you'd probably never believe that we can talk about science all we want. You're going to be like, oh, well, that's science. It's not God. I said, but if you had been in that hospital room with my little girl, you would have felt the Holy Spirit move through that room. You would have felt the presence of God despite all of the tears and despite all of the suffering. Um, the, the Our faith has been passed on to us Yet you know, our faith has been passed on to us through mothers and fathers and hospital rooms, watching their children die. And I feel like I'm a part of that line of people. I am a part of that line of people. And so are you. And so is every other person listening. We're all a part of a line of an ancient people who pass on their faith through deep suffering and torture and darkness. And it's like, well, how can you continue to follow Jesus if that's what it means? Right. Right. Like, look, we don't preach a health and wealth gospel. That's not what we are as Catholics. I mean, we walk into our churches and what's hanging on the wall. It's a dead man on a cross, a God man. Like that's what we see every single time that we walk into our parishes. We have crucifixes in our home. Like our faith began through the suffering of this God man. And when we suffer, he sits with us in that suffering and he extends to us, not a hand that doesn't understand but a hand that suffers with us a pierced hand he knows what it's like to suffer and as a matter of fact so does his mother
0: and you know you're you're you're, you're really hitting on something um very very profound in in that you know I, i've just because of the you know corporate work that i've done delivering seminars and meeting just literally mm-hmm. thousands of women in different cities and Sometimes I, I meet a, a woman who has experienced a, a tremendous amount of suffering, either, you know, because her husband left her for a, a secretary or, you know, like, you know, women go through different, you know, trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. and a lot of different suffering or, you know, or sometimes a husband has passed away. And sometimes it's safe for people to unload themselves to, you know, a seminar leader that they're never going to mm-hmm. see again. You know, so Right,
1: exactly. I, yes. I, I, <laughs> she like, won't tell anybody. <laughs> oh my God, wait,
0: this is a customer service seminar. Why are you coming up? To be <laughs> or this is a team building seminar, right? But sometimes, you know, women after a seminar would come and, and share with me um, some of their suffering. And the, the one thing that is remarkable is that, you know, some women, okay, their husband dies or cheats on them or, you know, so something just terrible, terrible happens. And for the rest of their lives, they're living in that misery and in that suffering, and they're never able to rise above it with supernatural joy. And, 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 and it's not that we forget about the suffering. And so, so, I just, you know, if I could hug you, I would just like to jump through the screen that, that I think you've just done an incredible job in describing that, yes, a part of our uh, Catholic heritage as passed down through, um, you know, hundreds and thousands of ancestors involves suffering. Um, Do you have any word for maybe a mom that has lost a baby, lost a child that has is maybe in the midst of uh, still grieving, but she's still grieving 20 years later, you know, like sometimes that really breaks my and, and not that we not that we not that we don't I don't think we ever stop grieving, you know, someone that we love if I if I start thinking and talking about my mom I I still, start cry- I still start crying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't stop grieving, but I'm talking about that kind of morbid suffering, the, the woman that kind of looks like she's living under the t- foot of the cross 24-7, even though the suffering happened 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Do, do you have any words for uh, women like that that haven't been able to get a glimpse of joy and haven't been healed? Do you have any thoughts for her? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the very first thing that, that I would say is that healing is a process and healing does not mean what we think it means, um, in our society today. So oftentimes we talk about being healed from an illness or healed, you know, we have a surgery and we're healed. Um, when you grieve, especially the loss of a child, there's actually there's actually been scientific work done on this, that the loss of a child actually devastates a family even more than the loss of a spouse, which is very, very interesting. And it's not to compare losses at all. I don't agree with comparing losses or, oh, mine's worse than yours. I don't like that. But the losses are very different. And for a mother to lose her child and for that child to be taken away from her, um, I I had a miscarriage a year after Maggie died. And it was, it is still a grief for me. It is still a very deep loss and a very deep suffering, but it's very, very different than losing a 10 year old child who's acclimated to the family and that the family knows. Um, I'm probably the only one who really truly grieves Regina and somehow I have to be okay with that because it's just very different and no one else knew her. Only I knew her in um, the best way that I could. Um, so all that to say, it, grief and healing, this is a journey. There, it's not an end. There, will, there is no end to grief until we are in heaven and we meet Christ and we meet our children again. Um, this grief will never end for me. However, I think that there is a difference between always grieving and then being stagnant in my grief. Um, and I have days where I'm stagnant. Let me, let's be honest about, I have days where that dark cloud of depression comes over me and days where I don't want to get up and days where I don't want to push forward. Um, and I've had people say, oh, well, you know, you need to move on. And it's like, yeah, but actually we don't move on. We move forward. I had a friend of mine, not even a friend of mine. Actually, it was a, a friend's mother who wrote me a letter just a few days after Maggie died. So I read it about a week and a half after Maggie died and she had lost her sister when her, her sister died when her sister was nine years old. So they were little children when it happened. And she said, I want you to know something. She said, I want you to know that Maggie is more in your future than she ever was in your past. And that's what we have to remember about our little ones. Um, Yes, there is no church teaching that says that all miscarried babies go straight to heaven. But what the church does teach is that we absolutely have hope. We absolutely can trust in God. We can rely on his love and his promises. And I have another type of relationship with Maggie right now. And that, I think that's the hardest part for grieving mothers is we have to learn how to have a new type of relationship with our child. Um, when our children die and go to heaven, they're still very much alive. They're still very much active in the world. This is how we have saints, right? I mean, they are there praying. They are working miracles on earth. And um, it's okay to build that relationship with them in that way, um, to ask them to pray for us, to add them to your litany of saints, And the healing, it it, it doesn't happen over. For some of us, it does take. I can't hear you. You're freezing up. Sorry, I had a call come for some reason. (laughs)
0: I'm just just glad that you're back. (laughs) Yeah, the,
1: the truth of it is that healing is a very, very long process. And it does not look like what the world tells us it looks like. You will always suffer because your child died somehow we have to reconcile that and be okay with it and find a way to use that suffering for something good we have it's like one guy told me he, his little girl was killed a year ago she was only 16 months old he said he was crying and he said i have to have a mission i have to have a mission i have to have a reason and that's maybe that's what i was looking for when i you know when we started joyful like maggie is there's a reason that my daughter died i don't know what it is i don't know that i like it <laughs> i don't know that i agree with god over it but I'm here and I'm ready for the journey and I'm going to push forward. And that's the thing. It's like, if you're mad at God, a lot of people think it's like, and I think that's one of the things when we are stagnant in our grief, it's because we're angry or maybe there's some other emotion that we don't feel able to overcome. Anger is not a sin. It's absolutely not a sin. Anger is an emotion that God allowed in our brains because that's how we um, begin to cope and manage with things. What matters is the outworking of that anger and what we do with it. Like I tell my kids, it's okay to be mad at your sister. It's not okay to hit her. (laughs) It's not okay to say cruel words or unkind things, right? But it's not the anger itself that's wrong. Um, So, you know, I actually just had, I even posted about on my Facebook a couple of days ago, I was sitting on the, on the floor in the room with my children, their ages um, four, seven and 10, and they were one, four and seven when Maggie died. So they were very, very little. Well, my son who was four when Maggie died, he's almost eight. He'll be eight this year. He told me, he said, I said, is there anything that you'd like to talk about? And he said, yeah. He said, sometimes I feel angry with God. And I said, and at first, you know, the, the response of a mother is, can often be, it's like, oh, well, here's the solution to that problem. Well, and I decided to take a different approach. I decided to ask him some questions. And I said, I said, well, buddy, I said, how does that, how does it make you feel to know that you're angry at God sometimes? And he said, it makes me feel a little bit guilty. And I said, okay, I said, why are you angry with God? And he said, because God could have already defeated sin and the devil and put the devil in hell and he could have saved Maggie. And I said, that's true. And I said, and that makes you angry with God. He said, yes. And I said, let me ask you something. I said, if a good friend of yours came to you and sat down with you and said, Leo, I am really upset with you. And it makes me angry that you did this or did that. I said, what would you say to your friend? Would you be upset with them? He said, no, it's okay for them to tell me that. I said, is God your friend? He said, yes. And I said, then how much more does God love you the way you love your friends? I said, and God wants you to tell him how you feel. And he goes, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? but some, a lot of times us adults, we need to hear this, right? We need to hear like God is our friend. It may not feel like it because we're upset with whatever situation where it doesn't have to be child loss. It can be anything. It could be, I'm just stressed out or I have postpartum depression, or I lost a baby in miscarriage, or my 30-year-old son died, or whatever it is, we all have suffering in our lives. And God meets us exactly where we are, sits down with us, and expects us to talk to him and tell him how we feel. Because guess what? It's not a surprise, right? Somebody told me that they other like, it's not a surprise. God already knows how you feel. But there's something healing and freeing about sitting down and telling God, and I have said this to God exact word for word, you hurt me. You, I feel so hurt by you. You could have saved my child and you chose not to do that. And I don't understand it. I I don't get it, but I'm, I'm here and I'm listening and I'm willing to learn. And I'm willing to walk this path that you've placed before me. I don't think that God killed my child, but God could have saved my child. And for whatever reason, he chose not to do that in the physical sense, in the spiritual sense, a great miracle happened and she's in heaven. And isn't that where we're all supposed to be trying to get our children and our families, right? That's our job as moms.
0: Now, um, I, I've I've never had the opportunity to to meet Maggie and tell us a little bit about her so that we you know yeah. we we can say hello to her.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So Maggie, long black hair, big brown eyes. Um, she was super shy as a little girl. Never wanted to say hi to people, which was okay. I try not to force my kids to do that. Um, <laughs> Never wanted to say hi, never wanted to talk to people, wanted to be a nun, maybe a hairstylist, wasn't really sure. Um, Of course, we try to push her towards (laughs) nun. Encourage her, encourage her, not push. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it was interesting with Maggie. She was she had these ideas of what she wanted to be. She was very good at math. She absolutely loved science and astronomy. She loved birds. She would sit out in the yard and I would hear her talking. And she would come size when she was about eight or nine years old. And I'd say, what are you doing, Maggie? She said, oh, I'm just out in the yard talking to the birds. I'm like, oh, okay. Do they actually understand you? She was like, I think so. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, maybe she actually was talking to the birds. I don't know. Maybe that really did happen. Um, but she was just so joy filled. She always was from the time that she was born. Um, and she was the one who always wanted to start the family dance offs. She always reminded us about family movie night. She always wanted to go places with the family. Um, And she was the one who, honestly, now that we look back, she really brought our family together and tied us together in a way that none of the other children could have, um, just because of the type of person that she was and is. Um, She loved her friends. She loved to um, scooter. She would always scooter down the street with her friends. She would play football. She would wear sparkly gold shoes while she did so. I have a pair of sparkly gold shoes that are all tore up on the toes because that's how she scootered. Um, She loved fashion. She loved design. And uh, she, it was very interesting. Again, one of those God things. So she had actually not yet received her Holy Communion. We had been traveling for my husband's job over the past couple of years. And she had taken some of the classes, but hadn't been able to finish. And we enrolled her in accelerated classes at our local parish, the parish we were attending at the time. And um, the theme for that year was how to be a missionary. And she started coming to me and saying, you know, I, I don't know if God wants me to be a nun. I think God might want me to be a missionary. I'm like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's interesting. It's like what, you know, I was raised as a Baptist. I'm a, I'm a convert, a Southern Baptist actually. And missionary to us was you went to another country, you flew on an airplane, you know, you told people about Jesus preaching out in the streets. And I had not really, co- you know, thought about this concept before as a Catholic, like what does it mean to be a missionary as a Catholic? And Maggie was just a child. So all of a sudden I saw these things happening where she tried to be a missionary in the ways that she could. So she would play this little game. Maybe some of the moms listening, maybe their kids play. It's called Animal Jam. And it's done by, I think, by Kids National Geographic. And there's little chat rooms where the little, um, where the kids can all talk to each other. And I don't usually allow my kids to do things like that, but they have moderators and it seems like a mostly safe place for children to have fun and play games and they would get a little den they could decorate and little animals that and that's how they played was with the little animal. So Maggie, one time she came, she's like, um, she said, so I went out into the. they had like this little town square where all the kids were like all the animals. And she said, I told him anybody who wants to know about God, come back to my den. And she's like, and people actually followed me and I got to talk to them about God. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like you're being a missionary. And you didn't even have to go anywhere. <laughs> but that was that was what she wanted. She started saying these things about being a missionary. And all of a sudden I, you know, after she died, I thought about it a lot. And I realized she was never set on what she wanted to be when she grew up. Like some children, you know, they say, I want to be this. And they're very set on it. Maggie never was. Um, I would say being a nun was probably the very first thing that, you know, that she ever talked about. And that was the one that stuck around the longest, but right before she died, it was, I want to be a missionary. And the The interesting thing is that she was named after St. Therese of Lisieux. That's her middle name. So her name's Magdalene Therese. And Therese of Lisieux was very similar to Maggie, very joy-filled, but very quiet, um, would stick to herself. And she wanted to be a warrior, and she wanted to be a missionary. And when she realized that she was going to die, she knew that her mission field would be from heaven. And so I really feel that that's what Maggie's doing, that Maggie has a mission on Earth to fulfill, and I believe that it's spreading the joy of christ so that people can see that
0: Yeah, because that was actually the one question that i i, I still wanted to ask you and you're you're you know you're, you're entering quite naturally into it that you that you said that you and your um husband feel that you know she's going to be canonized a, a saint and that's a, that's a remarkable proclamation of a. Of a
1: <laughs> I hope I'm still alive when it happens. <laughs> I don't want it to be like 500 years, like St. Joan.
0: <laughs> um, can you, can you tell me a little bit more about why you think your daughter is going to be canonized yeah. this stage? Like, I just love your confidence.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, besides she's really awesome. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a very valid question. So, um. I think even just the, it was very interesting because even the way that she died, so just the things that happened before she died, we had her talking about not wanting to be cremated. We had her talking about what it would be like when she died. The other thing that happened, um, oh, my mind just drew a blank. Oh my goodness. This is one of the things that any grieving mothers will know. You're talking and you've got this great thought and all of a sudden it's gone. So uh, let me think here. It was... Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. She, she would come to me and she, she told me, she had a playlist on Amazon Music. And at the very top of the playlist, um, there were two songs. One was Lecrae, which he's a Christian rap artist. Um, and it was Tell the World is the name of the song. And the lyrics to the song go something like this. It's, "It's He says, I want to be a billboard. I want to tell the world about God. Like he's saying, I want to be this sign that people see. That was one of Maggie's favorite songs. So we actually played rap music at her... Not at her funeral, not in the church, but at her reception. Um, And then the other song was Matt Mars, Lord, I Need You. Well, the two weeks before she died, I would hear her in the other room singing it. And she came up to me and she said, Mom, she said, every time I sing that song, it makes my headache go away and it makes me feel better. And um, that was actually the song that I sang to her after her seizure. I sang it to her. I don't know how many times over the day and a half that we were in the hospital with her. And Then even just the way that she died, the things that happened in the hospital room, um, after she died, my one-year-old was in the room with us and I could hear her crying. I told my husband, she can't be in here. So my father-in-law actually grabbed the one-year-old and rushed her out. And um, uh, some friends of ours saying, Lord, I need you to Maggie as she died. And it was a very, very peaceful passing. she was in a coma. I mean, they had, you know, they had sedated her just to make sure that she didn't feel anything when she left. Um, But after I, after she died, there was just this calm that came over the room, just this very, I just remember feeling like it was just peaceful coolness. I don't know how to describe, there was just this coolness in the air and it was very peaceful and very calm after the drama of death. I got up to find my one-year-old who I knew was crying. She hated to be with other people. So I left the room to immediately find her. And after I left, my husband was standing at the bedside and he just, he looked at everybody in the room and he said, the devil waves a gun that has no bullets. He has no victory here today. And I just felt like that was just such a profound thing to say in that moment to think Those thoughts and to speak those words. And then he just turned to our daughter and he started repeating the words, holy, 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 holy. And that's what he said until everyone in the room was joining in with him.
0: Wow. And the
1: truth of it is is that God was, God was so present and God has been so present since those moments. Um, and God did so much to prepare us for that. But Maggie, even after her death, has been there have been miracles that have happened in her name. Um, I don't know that any of them will be able to be used for her canonization because the rules are really strict. <laughs> but no. all of her miracles have had to do with babies so far, unborn
0: babies. So do you? Um, and the very interesting. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you, like, you know, let's pretend some of the moms here today may want to, um, you know pray to your daughter, asking for her intercession. Yeah. Do you have a prayer that you have that we can pray in turning to her? Or have you have you done so it? My,
1: my husband actually, actually leading up to the third year anniversary of her death, my husband actually wrote a novena for her um that is posted on facebook but it's posted in posts. so my goal is actually to take that and i can do that hopefully sometime this week um i've actually never been asked for that before um but i need to take that and put it into a pdf file and pop it onto our website so that people can download it so it's a nine day novena and um it is obviously asking maggie to intercede for whatever your request might be um the requests that i've seen fulfilled by maggie um there have been people who have come back to the faith after being gone for over a decade Um, there are people who hadn't talked to God in 20 years and all of a sudden are talking to God again. Um, there are mothers who, you know, whose children were supposed to die in the womb and they did not die with her intercession. Um, there were twins and one was not supposed to make it and made it and is actually named after Maggie. Um, I mean, there have just been, they, and they've all been almost all of the miracles have had to do with babies. And and what I, what I find so very interesting about that, um, you know, every saint's known for something, right? You've got lost things, you've got cancer, you've got, and I thought, well, you know, she'll be the patron saint of brain tumors. That's what, you know, that's what I figured. So far, I mean, it's not that she's not praying for people with brain tumors, but those are not the miracles that I'm seeing coming out um, of the prayers with her. I see things that are more like missionary. So people coming back to the faith and I see things that have to do with babies, mostly unborn babies, Um, a close Uh, Not even a friend of mine. She was um, the assistant midwife when I had my, my fifth child. She out of the blue messaged me and said, so I had this dream that Maggie brought this baby to me. And I'm like, wow. And she said, yeah, that was the whole dream. And it turned out that was actually the right day for her to conceive. And six weeks later, she calls me. She's like, I'm pregnant. And so it's just things like that that we see being fulfilled when people. She's not even Catholic. She was not asking Maggie to pray for her, but Maggie came to her in a dream and told her and handed her a baby, and that was it. Um,
0: now, are you and are Maggie? You, are you keeping track of all these things? Like, are you keeping track? We are. Of- yes. Yeah, yeah, because yep,
1: absolutely. So if people, if you ask Maggie to pray for you, and you do receive a miracle, please email me <laughs> or yeah. message me on Facebook, whatever. But I just have a document; I'm just putting them all into.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's the name of your website? If people want to get in touch with you again, I'm sorry you, you mentioned it a couple of times. What is it? So it's joyfullikemaggie dot com. So uh, for everyone here, joyfullikemaggie dot Now. Yes. There's, there's just something remarkable about you, you know, and something very remarkable about you and your family. Like, you know, you're saying that you're, you pray together every day, that you're a, a convert to the faith, that you have these very, very candid conversations with, you know, each of your children. The very fact that Maggie... Um, said that she wanted to become a nun and that she wanted to become a missionary. Um, That says something to me about you, the mom and the dad, you know, I I, I could almost have you on a separate time (laughs) to talk about, you know, because, you know, the one thing that I often say to many of the moms in our uh, ministry is that too many and and this sounds terrible, and I get criticized for it all the time, but I'm always saying things I get criticized for, is that too often, um, you know, mothers are kind of like closet Catholics. (laughs) Like you got to talk to your children about their guardian angel. You have to pray together with your children, right? But the other thing that you mentioned, too, is that, you know, like I always say, if you're the Autocratic, authoritative, stern Catholic mother that makes the kid get on her knees, but you never play rap music, then you're not going you know, <laughs> to. <laughs> you know, my mom used to always yeah. say that, you know, the faith has to be, this is a Polish saying, dotainca i doruzańca to dance and to pray the rosary, right? Like that that combination of passing down the faith that involves both joy and prayer. You know, like if there's no joy and there's no formation and it's just stern, autocratic, condemning Catholic, you're never going to turn anyone onto the Catholic faith. Exactly. Now, um, Jennifer, what might be some of the just for the for them for our moms that are listening today do you have any sort of um, concrete either tips or books or like takeaways for the moms that are listening that hey mom if you find yourself in this situation you know um, you know I, I you've mentioned quite a few times um, adoration and uh, you know it's I, I say this very carefully because this is one of the this is the first time I've met you, but I've had a real strong sense of your presence in adoration. And I'm like, wait a minute, is Jennifer billocating here? (laughs) no (laughs) you know I'm like how come I feel so close to this woman and I don't even know her I'm like what the heck is going on here so you have mentioned adoration um can you give you know like are there any books that helped you any tips that you can give moms that are have joined us today that are suffering you know
1: yeah yeah, you know, so a lot of people, I think, expected us to start a grief support ministry because obviously we're grieving people and we know what it's like to lose a child. Um, and we do that. We do have a grief support group on Facebook. Um, but the bulk of our ministry, the bulk of the people who follow us are not necessarily grieving people. They're people who know what it means to suffer. And suffering comes in all shapes, sizes and forms, right? Like I said earlier, maybe I have postpartum depression, or maybe I am struggling being at home with the kids all day and never getting a break. Or maybe I just stub my toe and I'm having a really hard day and now I'm sitting down and crying. Like, I mean, it can be any number of things, right? Um, and suffering comes in all different forms, but we're all going to suffer. Like I said earlier, we don't have this health and wealth gospel. We don't have this gospel where it's like, well, if you do this and you follow Jesus, your life is gonna be amazing. You have all the money, all the cars, whatever you want. That's not how it works. We serve a crucified savior. And the scripture actually tells us that if we follow him, we will be crucified with him. Um, And it's pretty darn difficult when you finally realize what that means. And you're hanging there on the cross with him. That's, that's when things get really tough. It's like, well, how can I handle this? How can I do it? So a few of the things that I think have helped me that I think will help anyone, no matter what type of situation or what path they're on. um, Number one, like I mentioned earlier, talk to God, tell him exactly how you feel. You know, I, I told my, my oldest struggle with anger very deeply for the, for the last couple of years. And I told her, look, God is a big God. He will meet you right where you are. He can handle whatever you throw his way. Plus it's not a secret. He already knows. <laughs> Tell God how you feel. It is so freeing to say, I'm really angry with you. And I don't know what to do with that, but I'm really, I'm, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen. So say that and do that and see what God does. Um, turn on praise and worship music. If you don't like praise and worship music, no judgment here. It's fine. Turn on some classical music, whatever it is that gets you closer to God, music wise, turn it on. Even when you don't feel like it, sing it, pray it, worship, because worship is the only appropriate response in the face of suffering. It's something my husband, we actually were having a very difficult time before Maggie died on um, the last two years before she died. We went through a lot of different things, a lot of different difficulties and sufferings. And every time I felt like giving up, my husband would tell me, he's like, babe, the only appropriate response in suffering is worship. And when they put Maggie on that care flight and I had to get on that care flight with her, and I'm absolutely terrified of heights. I've, I've gotten off of planes. That's how scared I am. And I flew with her and the paramedic told me, you can touch her. You can put your hands on her. So I reached over and I put my hand on her leg and I just kept thinking, what am I going to do for the next 20 minutes while we fly into Dallas? And my husband's words just kept ringing in my ear. The only appropriate response to suffering is worship. And that's what I did. And I put the other hand up in the air and I just started talking to God. You're worthy. You're holy. I praise you. I worship you. And I didn't stop to beg. I didn't stop to ask for a bunch of stuff. I just worshiped. And if we can train ourselves to do that, you see, I was being trained and prepared the the years before. That's what was happening. What you were talking about earlier that, you know, oh, well, Maggie wanted to be a nun and, you know, you guys prayed together. This, she wanted those things, like you said, because of what the parents were doing. We were prepared years before without even realizing it. We were already prepared to worship God in suffering. We, I had already heard that message so many times that it was just a natural response. We don't want to wait until we are in that moment to all of a sudden have to call on that, that preparation that all of a sudden is not there. We need it to be there. So do it now before anything else happens. Worship when you don't feel like it tell God exactly how you feel and then listen to him, ask him to speak to you, ask the Holy spirit to come to you. And yes, adoration is absolutely amazing. I know with COVID things have changed a lot with that. Um, But if you can get to adoration, then get to adoration. And honestly, you probably felt what you thought might've been my presence. There was probably my daughter because I've told people those are, that's my mommy daughter date. Now the veil between heaven and earth is so, so thin in adoration. You can almost see, you can almost feel you can, you're almost there in heaven. And it's as close as you can get to heaven here on earth. And it's in those moments that the Holy spirit, I think is even more active and even more able to speak that truth and that life into us. And so if we do those things, then, then these things are just drawing us closer to God and just preparing us for the next storm that's going to hit.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, you know. And, and having been a, a, a Baptist, you might be uh, familiar with it. Because one book that really kind of blew me away—it wasn't a, a Catholic book, but at the same time, very, very powerful—was *The Power of Praise*. Have you have you heard of that book, *The Power of Praise*? Who's the author? i can't remember because it was so many years it sounds sounds
1: familiar (laughs) but you know i mean i I converted in 2001 so it's been a little
0: while (laughs) Uh, okay so just some very practical tips would be um you know talk as you mentioned talking to god um uh praising in, in trust you know i praise you i thank you lord uh, for whatever happens, that we have to kind of trust that anything that does happen is, you know, in our best interest. And that, um, yeah, and, and attending a Eucharistic adoration. Were there any books that helped you in the process? Yeah.
1: So, the, yeah, the two that stand out to me there's one called Praying Our Goodbyes by Joyce Rupp. And I would highly recommend it not only, it is Catholic, um, not only for people who have lost a special person, but if you've had to move or if you have had to let something go that you didn't want to let go, Um, praying our goodbyes was very, very powerful for me. And it was just a real introduction into the life of Christ. Um, And... I felt also, there are a lot of books that that you pick up as a grieving parent where you're like, well, I'll never read that again, because sorry, losing my kids, not the same as losing a job. Um, (laughs) But she did a very, very good job balancing those things. So I think that anyone who has had to say any kind of goodbye, um, and she calls it the, especially with death, she calls it the, the goodbye. uh, How does she call it? The hello, goodbye, hello pattern. And so when we die, when we're born, we say hello. When we die, we say goodbye. And then we go right into the next hello. And um, that was something that was very, very comforting to me, thinking about, especially about loss and death and the fact that we all have to face it one day. Um, the other book that was really, that was really good, and it's religious, it's not Catholic. Um, I don't even know that it's Christian. It has quotes from all sorts of different um, people and even different religions in it. Um, but it was actually a very, very good book. It's called Healing from Loss and it's written by Martha Hickman. Um, she wrote, she wrote several books after her 16 year old daughter was killed in a horseback riding accident. Um, And so this was, it's very, very simple to read, especially if you're early in loss where there's not much you can do. I couldn't even remember to drink water. Um, So I couldn't actually do a lot of reading or a lot of study or anything like that. Um, But it's a very good book because it is like devotional style. So there's a little quote and a little paragraph for each date. It's very simple, but very profound at the same time.
0: Thank you. Now, there are a couple of people here that have just said a few things in the chat. So I wanted to. um, So Lucy Pignatello says, Jennifer, we're so sorry for your loss. You speak so beautifully and may the Lord always watch over you and your family. Uh, Regina Gardinsky, it's not forgetting about the grief. It's accepting God's will without understanding the why. We still remember, uh, but accept it. And then someone here is saying, I desperately need a prayer for my 26 year old daughter's healing of mind, body and soul. So Donna, please know that we'll be uh, praying for you. Uh, just before I kind of wrap up and you know do the official thank you and goodbye, uh, I, I wanted to touch base with you know those of you sitting joining us today. If you have any questions, um, please you know put them in the chat. Uh, right now and uh but i don't know about you guys but i i'm just so completely inspired and edified you know the you know you're a homeschooling mom there's just the, the faith and the joy in your family is just you know so evident and um with a powerhouse like you on the planet Earth, I don't think I don't think Maggie has any choice. She's going to have to become a Jedi. Yeah,
1: the next stop is the Pope. So <laughs> from your podcast to the Holy Father.
0: <laughs> so uh, so thank you. Um, I'm going to ask those of you that have joined us today. Uh, if you can, I I am going to ask that you pray uh, a a rosary specifically for Jennifer for continued strength. And, um, and if you could pray for her children, because I'm sure, you know, Maggie's passing Maggie's transition, you know, it had a a, sort of a ripple effect on the entire family. So uh, please know that I'll, I'll definitely pray a rosary for your family today. And uh, Karen Brockman is saying that she's gonna pray a rosary for your family today. So uh, we've got, um, Jennifer, you're so inspiring from Mary and Lee and Ajax. So you are, you know, you're, you've definitely inspired all of us. Want to thank you for being as generous as you have been with your time. Because I know when you're a homeschooling mom, You know, every moment is so. Oh, my
1: uh, kids love it. They're like, "Ooh, do we get to watch a movie?" I'm like, "Yes, you do." Quietly in the other room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, thank you so much for 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 joining us today. Thank you. Uh, If there's anything our ministry can do at ever ever at any point to help you, you know, let me know. I'll make sure. uh, If there are any developments, or maybe if you've got that. PDF at one point ready. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know I can distribute it um, through our ministry. So please, please, please. I'm inviting all of you to visit um, her website. It, it's like, again joyfully, joyful like Maggie. Uh, dot com and if you're looking for a social media manager (laughs) right here i'm actually kind of praying that we could hire you at one point that'd be awesome anyway i always like to end off with You know, this is going to show my age a bit of a song. I'm so glad we had this time together just to pray a song and sing a song or pray a prayer and sing a song. Seems like (laughs) it started before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. Oh, there's uh, one more comment here before we end. Jennifer, I'm really sorry for your loss. Maggie will be in my prayers for sure. And thank you so much for speaking so openly and drawing us close to God. I really believe that God prepares us and strengthens us for our crosses. And, you know, I always like to remind women that there is no cross free living. Right. I think mm-hmm. I'm looking for a time where there's no crosses and I'm like, it ain't going to happen. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, women will come. Oh, I'm thinking of, you know, you know, leaving my husband because of this, this and that. Or I think of, you know, and I'm kind of like, OK, so then you're going to leave your husband and then at Christmas, your kids aren't going to be there Christmas morning because they're going to be with his girlfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, There's no cross-free living. So my mother used to always say, choose your cross, right? Exactly.
1: exactly.
0: There's no cross-free living. So uh, remember that. Um, please know that we're in. Uh, you're in our prayers. Our ministry offers a mass every single Monday for your intentions um, so please visit our website at catholicmomsgroup.com think about starting a catholic moms group at your parish follow us on Instagram our handle on Instagram is three words catholic moms group and uh, if you're feeling generous please make a donation on PayPal so we can actually hire Jennifer would that be great <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> so uh okay love you all thank you for joining us today and uh <laughs> thank you jennifer um thank you very very much for joining us and well oh one last one i'm not going to read anymore this is the last one thank you jennifer <laughs> you've inspired me please keep our family in prayer we will be praying it. for you and your family so thank you Mwah! Mwah! and uh jennifer i have this sneaking suspicion you and i all be talking again okay <laughs> okay talk to you soon everybody love y'all bye-bye and please pray a prayer for me okay okay bye-bye